there's something that irks me a little bit, and if you're like me, it might bother you too. Have you ever come across a book, maybe a standardized test you were taking, something that you're doing and randomly there is an empty page? Does that bother anybody? It bothers me. I, I, I'm going to tell you why, because I, like, I, I see the empty page and it's like, did I get a bad copy? Like, I've checked, like, it, there was an empty page be between page 24 and, and 26 or whatever. It's like, is there a 25 somewhere? Well, you know, I count them, like, 24, 25. Is, is there information missing? So then they started putting something on these blank pages. You, have you seen it? This page was intentionally left blank. Have you ever seen that on a piece of paper? Have you ever? Oh, you're going to notice it now, people. You're going to see it now. For those of you that had noticed it, have you ever wondered why it's there? Okay, so now I'm going to take it a step further. Have you ever looked up why it's there? See, I did that because I'm weird. And I, and, and I Google search. It's like, why do they leave empty pages? Like, to me, as I think about it, I think it's got to be a waste of money. We're killing the Amazon and the trees are dying everywhere because we're good. And then we're printing blank paper, right? Like, we're just, why is it there? And then I started learning that it actually serves purpose. I learned that in the printing industry, when they get the final copy of a book, sometimes they save a lot of money by inserting a few pages empty to be able to do a run of 16 pages or 32 pages or whatever the, ex the point might be. It actually saves them money having a blank page. There was a purpose for it. I learned that in standardized tests, Part of the leaving the blank page on purpose was so that the person working out their math problem had a place that they can do it on without necessarily having to have something else there. I learned that in classified documents within government entities, they put blank pages on purpose in between where one project end and the next classified document started. There was a reason why there was these blank pages, and I had an aha moment. And I began to ask God, so God, can you give me something more? Why then? Where's the correlation? Where's the connection to why the tomb had to be purposely, intentionally left vacant and empty? See, there's a reason and a purpose why the tomb is empty. It was intentionally vacated by Jesus. It was intentionally left vacant, empty. And as we talk about Resurrection Sunday, we need to understand the, 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 the main thing... <laughs> Of our faith is the fact that the tomb is empty. It's the differentiator. Confucius is in a grave somewhere. So's Buddha. So's Muhammad. So's Krishna. They're all in graves somewhere. But the tomb of Jesus is empty. So God has to have an intentionality as to why that's there. And so I, I, I want to first get to the point of the tomb real quick. Watch. watch go, go to June. Uh, June. John. <laughs> Summer vibes, man. Seven weeks of school left. And all the teachers said, amen. All the parents are like, no, longer. Make it longer. I don't want to pay for summer camp. I got an email about, oh, you want your kids to come to summer camp? It's $300 a week just for, I'm like, what, what are you crazy? That's 900 bucks a week. What's wrong with you? I got three of them. All right. John, John chapter 20. 
It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Now, I think that's hilarious. Because the other disciples thought to be John, the one who wrote the book later, right? So he's like, I outran Peter. I'm faster than him. Anyway, sorry, I just find that funny. <laughs> and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know, that word know means understand, the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, then his disciples went away again to their own homes. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to jot it down. The empty tomb makes every other promise and statement from Jesus credible and reliable. That's a big first thing of why the tomb is intentionally left empty. It makes every other promise credible and reliable, attainable. Now, look at Luke chapter 18. We just read there, it says they didn't understand it, that he must rise again. But look at what Jesus had told them in Luke chapter 18. Verse number 31. He took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus was specific in declaring what was going to happen. And this wasn't the only instance. Multiple times he told them, like the temple will be destroyed in three days, it will be built up again. He says, like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, I will be in the belly. So will the son of man be in the belly of the fish. He said it multiple times. It would have been easy for Jesus to simply say, I'm going to be killed. But he went a step further and let them know, but I will rise again. So the fact that he rise again, it makes every other promise something that is that we can grab, believe, and attain because he fulfilled his promise. You think about the fact that he was so specific. Do you remember when they bring Jesus, this man who is lame and, 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 and lame, he couldn't walk, not that he was not, not cool, right? Um, just in case you didn't know what lame was. Um, in the Bible, that's what lame is. He couldn't walk, and they bring him to him, and Jesus says, hey, your sins are forgiven. All the people around start thinking to themselves, who does this guy think he is that he's forgiving sin? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, is what the Bible says, he says to the people, what is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to tell you to get up and walk? So that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin, I tell you, get up and walk. And the lame man gets up and walks. So I, I take that and bring it to the same concept here. The easiest thing Jesus could have said was, hey, guys, I'm going to be killed. 
As a matter of fact, I don't need to be any type of prophet to tell you one day, unless the Lord tarries and the rapture comes, I'm going to die. It's not prophetic. It is appointed to every man once to die, right? Like, like that's that thing. And Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to die. No, he said, I will raise again, and he was specific, on the third day. And when these ladies go on the third day to look for the body, the body wasn't there. Now, what are some of the other things and promises that Jesus gave us? Well, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the light of the world. All of those statements are now credible because of the fact that intentionally the tomb was left empty. It lets us believe everything else. Aside from that, you ask the question, well, why is the tomb empty? Well, if you're writing it down, the empty tomb shows God acceptance and approval of the atoning sacrifice of the cross. One more time. The empty tomb shows God's acceptance and approval of the atoning sacrifice of the cross. Now, I want to explain it to you. So go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Everything should be backed on scripture. Romans chapter 4, verse number 24. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses. So I'm going to translate that for you. He was killed on the cross because of our sin. And then it says, and was raised because of our justification. The empty tomb, the resurrection, shows us that we have obtained justification because the tomb is empty. What does it mean? God accepted the sacrifice, and now we have access to him. And if you think about Passover, you think about what the children of Israel needed to do before. They needed to, every single year, kill a, a, a calf without blemish, a sheep without blemish. They had to sacrifice it to atone for their sin. But Jesus goes to the cross as the perfect lamb of God, no sin, never having messed up, and he gives his life, but doesn't just give his life, raises from the grave is the sign that God accepted the sacrifice, the sign that now you and I are justified, that we no longer are sinners. You know what happens, what that shows us? That is the moment where in the story of our life, in the book of our life, Jesus puts in a blank page and says, this page has it intentionally left blank. What do I mean by that? The accuser of the brethren, when he comes to remind you of everything wrong you've ever done, he finds an empty page because the resurrection gave us the atonement and God has received it and our sins are forgiven. There is no record of our sin anymore. Psalm says that as far as the east is from the west, so are our sins. That's how far God cast them away. The Bible says that even if you were as red as scarlet, you are made white as snow. There is a moment in our life when we surrender to Jesus where there's a blank page inserted. The old man is past. There's a new thing being written. And let me tell you, it's not any type of paper. It's not just any blank sheet. It's the type of paper where pens don't write on. 
I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you've ever experienced getting something and having to write a note or write something down and you write it only to have it wipe right off all over your hand because that paper doesn't hold ink or a dry erase board where you mark it and it looks really pretty, but it all just wipes right off every time the devil tries to bring an accusation, every time he tries to remind you of your past, of everything you've done, of every failure, of every circumstance, Jesus looks at the paper and says, there's nothing here. I paid the price and the empty tomb is proof. There's intentionality to the blank page of your life. And the enemy will try to accuse you. See, the enemy works with shame, condemnation. You did this. And that's very different than the way that God works. See, the devil makes you feel bad of what you did, so you go and hide, right? You ever hide from mom or dad because you did something wrong? I can't, I, I got to tell you this story. I was five years old, okay? I got the scar to prove it still. I was five years old, and um, my older brother and I, we found a rope, and uh, we thought it would be really cool to tie his bicycle to my big wheel. Y'all know what a big wheel is? You know, when you're little, the, the, the literal thing has a big wheel on the bottom. Okay. And we thought it would be a cool idea, so we tied it. And then my older brother started riding his bicycle, and I was on the big one. He was pulling me. And, uh, and, and as we were going down the little neighborhood there, lived on 408 was the address, was the name of the house, 408. It was, a, it was a cul-de-sac gate there in the front. It was just houses on one side, cars on the other. And we're just going down the thing, and we hit a speed bump, speed, hit a speed bump. I went one way, the big wheel went the other. <laughs> and I lost the battle of the knee versus the floor. And I remember I, I didn't want to go tell my mom because that might be worse <laughs> in my mindset. And so I told my older brother, I took authority. I was like, go get me Band-Aids. And so he goes and he gets a box of Band-Aids and I sat two houses away from mine and, and I just got Band-Aids and started putting Band-Aids all over everything. And I eventually was gonna have to go back inside my house. So I tried to be all slick and cool. And I walked inside the house like this, right? Like, you know, just covering it because she wouldn't know. Because I thought that my mess up was going to make my bottom feel another mess up. But you know what my mama did? She said, what happened? Let me see. She pulled off the Band-Aids, cleaned the wound, and then put the fresh Band-Aid. What I thought she was going to do was the opposite of what she did. Shame makes you hide from God, thinking that he's going to punish you when he has already forgiven you. The enemy wants you to get afraid and hide. What does God do? God brings you conviction that makes you realize I was wrong, and instead of trying to fix it and cover it up, go straight and say, I need help. That's the difference between the way that the enemy works in your life and the way that God works in your life. That's why I can tell you clearly, the empty tomb puts a blank page that nothing is going to stick to. And that's what I'm here to remind you about. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus paid the price, but he didn't just pay the price. God accepted the payment, and the proof is in the empty tomb. So not only does the empty tomb make it so that we can believe and take it as an attainable thing that every other promise is true, not only do we see that, 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 that he has now gone and taken it and approved the atoning, 
But the empty tomb gives us victory over death. It gives us victory over death. Now, does that mean you're not going to die physically? No, this is what it means. You're not going to die eternally. You're going to live forever in heaven the day you die on earth because God accepted the sacrifice and the tomb is empty. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Remember, I say this all the time. We preach hardcore that you need to read your Bible. And the reason we want you to read your Bible is because if I say something opposite of what the Bible says, guess what? I'm wrong and the Bible's right. But you won't know that if you don't read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm not going to read it out loud right now because it's like 60 verses long, but you can read it throughout the week. There's a few things that 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. One of the things that it talks about is the fact that if there was no resurrection, Paul puts a hypothetical in there, and he says, if there was no resurrection, then our faith is folly. It's foolish. It is a lie. He begins to describe how not only did Jesus raise from the grave, but he talks about everybody that saw him, how Cephas saw him, how the other disciples saw him, how over 500 people saw him before he ascended into heaven. He gives all of this, and he ends the chapter by saying this, and because of the erection, O death, where is your sting? See, the fact that death could not conquer Jesus, but he walked out of the grave, lets us know that you also... You and I, we also have victory over death. Yes, is it appointed every man to die once here on earth? But then, if you have received the atonement, if you have accepted what Jesus did for you, you don't die into all eternity, but you live forever with God in heaven. That's some good news. That's the why. That's where we're heading that's where it's going. And can I tell you, not only does the empty tomb show us all this, the fact that the tomb is empty, it lets us know he's coming back. See, it says that when they walked in, they found the handkerchief folded up and put down. Now, you can take it however way you want it. I've heard all kinds of different stories. I, I heard a, a, a story once that, 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 that in, there is a Jewish tradition saying that a servant knew the master, and when a servant would set the table and prepare the table, he would not go to the table until the master was done. And if the master was done eating, he would get his napkin and crumble it up or put it all there and put it on the plate, and then the, the servant knew to clean the table. But if the master was getting up for whatever reason, he would get his napkin, he would fold it and put it back as a sign that he was coming back. I mean, think about when you go to a restaurant. If you're leaving, you take off your napkin, just throw it there. If you're getting up to go to the bathroom, you fold it, you put it on your chair, you put it there. It's a sign, I'm coming back. Hey, I don't know if that's why he folded the handkerchief or just because he didn't want a messy bed. But the fact is, he folded the handkerchief. And that's a sign to all of us, I'm coming back again. It is finished. But one day I am coming back and those that have accepted me and are still here on earth are coming to heaven with me. And those that died on earth but are living forever because of the fact that they have Jesus in their heart, the Bible says they will be resurrected with him first in heaven. So let me tell you the good news. The empty tomb proves that we can believe every promise. The empty tomb is proof that God has accepted the sacrifice. The empty tomb has given us victory over death, and the empty tomb proves to us he's coming back again. That's the story of the resurrection. That's the why. Can I tell you, church, 
The tomb was intentionally left vacant and empty. I guarantee you every time you now see an empty page in a book, you're going to remember there's an empty page in my book that says, I have been forgiven. It means I have been set free. It means the price has been paid, and I now can go to the Father. As the worship team comes up to the altar, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And on this Easter morning, I want you to reflect on your life for a moment. I want you to reflect on yourself for a moment. And I want you to examine and ask, have I ever allowed Jesus to insert the empty sheet in my life? Have I ever allowed him to put it in? And perhaps you're asking, you're saying, well, what does that mean? What is it that, 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 that it means? How do I do that? Well, the Bible says very clearly, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus died and rose from the grave, you shall be saved. So what does it take to receive this? It takes acknowledging who Jesus is trusting in him and confessing that belief and if you've never done that we're going to do that today but i feel in my heart that there's a second call that needs to be talked about this morning and it ties together see i feel in my spirit there's some of you that perhaps you've walked in today or you're tuning in online today and one day you did come to jesus and so that blank page was uncertain but you have allowed the enemy to come in and write things on there and accuse you of all these things And today you say, I want to get right with Jesus. I want to erase all this that has been put there by the enemy and get right with him. Let me tell you, his ink doesn't stink. Stick. His ink doesn't stick on that paper because the blood of Jesus takes it all away. So if that's you, if you fall in one of those two camps this morning, I just want you right there where you are, heads bowed, eye closed. This is you and God. I want you to say this prayer with me. And, and, and church, I want you to pray it together with them and simply say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. But I believe Jesus is your son. He came to earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. The tomb is empty. And because of that, today I receive salvation. I ask Jesus, walk into my life. Insert the blank sheet. Wipe away what the enemy wrote. And from now on, God, I'm yours. You are mine. In Jesus' name. Come on, right there where you are, can you just raise your hands towards heaven and worship him for a minute?
thank you for not only do we receive salvation but father we cling to every promise that me and my house shall be saved father right now we pray for the salvation of family members that do not know you father we can believe what the scripture says that by your stripes we are healed and right now we lay hold of the promise that we walk in divine health and healing in Jesus name Father, we thank you for the promise that we shall be the head and not the tail. We grab a hold of it this morning. Father, we thank you for the promise that everywhere where my foot steps is holy ground. We grab hold of the promise. Father, we thank you for you never leave us or forsake us. We grab hold of the promise. And we thank you, Father, for intentionally leaving the tomb empty. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, give them a hand of praise this morning. 